I think it's important to try. If you have any inkling of taking that leap, you have to do it. Um, you know, my son just graduated and he was minoring in engineering and he saw this quote that I think is so interesting about life starts when your comfort level stops. And I think, you know, obviously it's challenging, it's scary, it's exciting, but I do think life is kind of constantly evolving. And if you have any interest and any passion to take a chance and make a change, I think you have to follow your heart. And I think, you know, people will support you and help you. And it's okay to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. I've made mistakes. Many mistakes happen. That's the only way you live and learn. So it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to follow your dreams. And it is challenging and it is hard, but at the same time, it's very, very fulfilling. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Aaron Lauder is the founder and creative director of Aaron. It's a global luxury lifestyle brand. She's also the granddaughter of Estee Lauder, the founder of the famous cosmetics brand bearing her name. Erin has been a key to supporting the growth and success of the family-owned luxury giant, and she currently serves as the style and image director for her family brand. Erin has emerged as a distinct voice in the world of beauty, fashion, and home decor with her own Erin brand, following, of course, in the entrepreneurial footsteps of her grandmother. I started off by asking about those early influences and the people like her grandmother who helped her along the way. Well, it's an honor to be here today. Thank you very much for asking me to talk. I actually love that question because I really, when I think about mentoring and I think about people in my life who really inspired me, it really was my grandmother. Um, she was an incredible role model. She was an incredible grandmother, mother, friend, businesswoman wife. And she really taught me the importance of hard work, and passion, and staying true to who you are and really being authentic. And I think, you know, my earliest memory of her, people always ask me, what is your earliest memory? And it was really the way she smelled, which is interesting because she worked on fragrances constantly. And I remember her coming into a room or getting into the car and grabbing my hand and the whole car would smell like Bulgarian rose. <laughs> and at the time, you know, she was working on the beautiful fragrance for many, many years. It was really her her pride and joy. And it was about the bride and what it represented and the actual fragrance itself was incredible. So the scent and her memory very much coexist together. And, you know, she really was the first kind of entrepreneur and mentor that I was ever exposed to. And I just always remember her working, which I think is really interesting. I remember her mixing fragrances at her desk, having piles of first production at home, um, having lunch with buyers and editors. So she was was really a very important part of my life and my career. What do you think from from growing up with such an incredible woman, at least at a young age, what is it that today still stays with you about her when when you are running now a business, your own business for 10 plus years? Well, I think it's the idea of being authentic and quality. And she used to always say it's her name on that package. It has to be the best it can possibly be. And I apply that rule to everything I do. And, you know, one of the 
things that I really regret is I wish I had the opportunity to work with her. You know, I knew her as a grandmother and I would go to sales meetings and I would go to store visits with her, but I never really sat in a meeting with her. And that is the one thing I wish more than anything that she could sit in a meeting with me and look through my collection and give me ideas. And, you know, she really just, her perseverance and hard work and her creativity. And even, you know, in the past few years, since business has changed, you know, she, her, I kept on thinking about how she would always say, there's always business. You just have to look for it. And I think that's something that is very important to everyone because you always have to understand that there's always business out there and you just have to be creative and entice the consumer. Yeah. I, I love that quote that there's always business out there. It's just, you have to find it or look for it, which is, which is so true. And lastly, just talking about your grandmother, when you think of what she would think of today's world and, and really from where she came from and started, especially, mm-hmm. obviously, as a woman in a completely different world, what do you think her thoughts would be on today's world in terms of uh, female females in business, female entrepreneurs? Like, is it enough or... Yeah, I think she'd be very intrigued with what's going on in the world today. I think she would love all the passion, creativity, talent um, with women all around the world. I think she would love social media. I always say she would probably love Instagram and Pinterest. Um, (laughs) She used to have this great quote, telephone, telegraph, tell a woman. And it was really the power of communication. And I think she'd be up all night long on Instagram. Like her little green dot would perpetually be active. Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, at the same time, she had such incredible drive. She worked really, really hard. And I think she would be disappointed with, you know, everyone's kind of lack thereof wanting to be in the office five days a week. I remember in the end when she got very, very, you know, much, much older, she had a problem with her ear and she was on the 40th floor at the GM building and she would take the service elevator to go up to her 40th floor office because she was so passionate about going to work that she would stop at every single floor so her ear wouldn't hurt. And, you know, now forever, people don't want to come back into the office. They want to work from home. They want to be two days in an office. I think she'd be very disappointed in our culture in that sense, because she was really, I mean, she went to the office every day till she was in her eighties and even very, very late in her life. You know, she loved the Christmas windows at all the New York city stores that she would get in her car and drive and see all the windows. So she was always thinking about business and just being inspired and intrigued and I think she'd be very proud of what also Estee Lauder, the company has created and all the new brands we've partnered with, many of them founded by females. And I think she would, I mean, she would have loved Joe Malone. She would have loved Bobby Brown. I mean, I think she would be so in awe of everything that we've done with her mother brand. Yeah, that's incredible. And thinking back to yourself and and growing up and, you know, back in into the 80s, we were talking prior about the same age and just in terms of you when you were young and not that you're not young, but when we were younger (laughs) and we had dreams of, you know, what we wanted to do and become, did you have those thoughts when let's say you were a teenager or, you know, in college of thinking that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? That's a great question. I mean, I always loved creativity and I always loved the beauty and fashion business. And every summer in university, I worked in the company. I obviously went right into prescriptives when I graduated. Um, The concept of being an entrepreneur really didn't 
really happen until a couple of years into the company. You know, when I was working at business, I spent 25 years at Estee Lauder before I took that next step. And I had tons of incredible experience, worked with wonderful mentors, learned a lot from my uncle and father and cousin. And I really felt there was a void in the marketplace for a beauty lifestyle brand based on storytelling and heritage with a pretty sensibility. So, you know, I think her drive and her creativity always kind of educated me on business. But I think that entrepreneurial kind of fire in my belly didn't really happen until I was in my late 30s. And it was interesting. I started my brand 10 years ago, which was around the same age she started Estee Lauder. So history does repeat itself. And many of the lessons I learned at Estee Lauder and elements in business that I learned from her, I definitely applied to my brand. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you went to work in 25 years and working in a corporation, any corporation, thinking back and thinking about your your time there, was was that, were you enjoying it? Were you happy or were you, did you always have maybe this little thought about going out on your own, starting your own thing? I always loved it. You know, I think it's my boys, my children just graduated from university and they're just starting their first jobs. And I keep telling them, you have to love what you do. And if you work late and you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. If we work with a great team, you know, my uncle always says he's only as good as the people around him and he's surrounded by the best. And I feel that is so important. So I never, I never looked, thought about the future when I was working at Estee Lauder in the different positions. I've always enjoyed people I worked with. I love the products I was working on. I just felt that as I got more knowledgeable about the business and the industry, I realized that lifestyle was a very important word. And I thought home was a really fascinating category. And I thought, how could you mix the two together while also incorporating beauty into it, which is such my DNA. And that's how we kind of created this wonderful beauty lifestyle brand. And what's fascinating is when we see the numbers from our website and stores, we're seeing women are buying cross category from us. So that woman wants to come in and buy a sun hat, a fragrance, and a picture frame. So that idea of lifestyle, you know, when we started first launching this 10 years ago, people were just starting to talk about it. I went to a conference in Morocco, it was a Wall Street Journal conference, and there was a whole breakout session about lifestyle brands. And it was really fascinating and kind of where the brand has gone since then. It's been kind of quite extraordinary. Yeah, it's really interesting to think because you were onto this idea and thought of kind of the crossover and in an entire beauty category really at the beginning, what was it that, and what was it like, and how did Erin come about? Well, you know, it's fascinating because when I first launched the brand, when you think about it, beauty's always on one floor, candles are on another, homes on a different floor. It's all across all different areas of the store. And I really felt, you know, after 25 years of working there in the Estee Lauder companies, being asked, what are the makeup products I can't live without? doing many, many interviews about my home and my style, I really felt that there was that opportunity, as I said, for this lifestyle brand based on heritage, storytelling, inspiration from travel. And how it started was we launched with five fragrances, which was kind of a concept of a wardrobe of fragrances, which was quite unique at the time. Um, today, many, many brands launched with multiples, but at the time it was quite disruptive. And a few months later, we came out with candles. And I really felt that this idea of a cohesive lifestyle concept was something that many people were not doing, but at the same time, the consumer was looking for that. And the interesting thing about the brand is that it's very 
cohesive. And I've learned that a lot. That concept is very much from my uncle and my grandmother who used to always talk about being kind of authentic and very true. So for example, if we're coming out with a fragrance that's inspired by the Mediterranean, all of the other colorways within the other categories of fashion and home fall into that world as well. So when you walk into our store, you do see this wonderful sensibility that's consistent across categories. And that's probably one of the reasons why I love doing our concept stores. You know, similar, you know, our retail partners are wonderful partners, but you're only seeing bits and pieces of the brand. And when you go to our website or go to our stores, you experience the brand as a whole, in addition to products that I find from my travels and wonderful partnerships with young designers. So it really allows us to showcase the brand in a complete form. What was that like for you to start your own business with your own name on it, especially coming from a success, a very successful business that was started within the family? Was that difficult for you and a lot of pressure? It was a, a tremendous amount of pressure. It was difficult, but at the same time, exciting, very fulfilling. And what I think is the most exciting for me is when I meet customers. I, you know, yes, of course, when any entrepreneurial experience happens, you're, you're nervous. I mean, how can you not be? You're, you're scared. You're sometimes you doubt yourself. You get nervous about different things and changes and change is always, I think, very important, but that's what kind of gives you that energy and that drive to do it and the passion. And, um, you know, I think there's something very rewarding when I see someone in a store who smells a fragrance, loves it and purchase it, or comes in and wants to get another picture frame. I find that so rewarding and really puts a smile on my face. And there's nothing I love more than talking to customers. I mean, I have a note on my desk from a wonderful young woman who lives on a farm wow. who talking about how much she loves the Aaron brand. And she goes on the website almost every day and wants to order all these different categories. And that, you know, I actually have it on the top of my desk because it makes me really feel very happy. And I feel very fulfilled by that. So yes, being an entrepreneur is very scary and exciting at the same time, but it's also very, very special. Yeah. Was there times early on that you thought to yourself or, and you said it even personally as three-time entrepreneur and, and having somewhat success, it still brings anxiety. And, but was there a time early on, because this was your first step outside of that corporate world where you maybe thought to yourself that maybe I should have stayed and maybe this. Not really. You know, it's funny. I was, as I said, I was there for 25 years. I held different positions in product development, marketing, advertising. And then in the end, I became creative director of the SD Lauder brand for about six or eight years. And there was never a time that I felt starting my Aaron brand that I wanted to go back. I mean, I still am very involved with SD Lauder. I'm still a consultant, a style and image director, and I'm very involved with like big picture strategy. I was just on the phone this morning with Stefan, who runs Estee Lauder, and he just landed in Paris. So I'm constantly in contact with them and very much part of the brand. But I do feel that, you know, I always think about the future and enjoy the moment. And I think it's very exciting with what's what Aaron has created and what we're very happy of what we've accomplished. More from our guest, but first, a word from our sponsors. Are you sick and tired of scrolling through social media and not seeing your business show up in the feed? On the new Restaurant Influencers podcast, you will learn how to tell your story online and how to be found. 
My name is Sean Walchef, and I will be interviewing the top leaders in the restaurant and hospitality space to help you with your smartphone storytelling. People have to get that. It is not just about what's on the plate anymore. We have teamed up with Entrepreneur Magazine, Yelp, and Toast, our primary point of sale partner, to bring you this weekly video series. Please subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more about the show, visit us at CaliBBQ.media. And we're back. When was it with Aaron? Because as we talked about, it was early on. It, it was kind of unique, like what you had talked about, where there wasn't those stores that really were in one area, just kind of all of these beauty home style. What what was it or when was it that you really knew you were onto something and that this was a good idea? That's a great question. We launched the brand and soon after we started our first concept store in Southampton. And at the time, we did not have that much product that we created to sell. We did not produce that much. We had fragrances, a few candles, a few bowls. So I started filling it with product that I found. And we couldn't keep anything in stock. And then we realized we wanted to start producing our own home products because it would make much more sense from a business perspective. So it was really, that was when I realized that there was a consumer out there who embraced the brand and wanted more from us. And we really listened to our consumers, you know, whether it's from partnerships or, you know, for example, there's been a lot of wonderful jewelry designers that we've partnered with and done exclusives and our customers constantly asking for more fashion, more home accessories, more floral fragrances. So we really listened to our customer. And I think that it was really just watching how she shopped and what she was looking for. And it made me kind of really much go into the area of home in a very, very deep way. We would in a quite broad way, actually. We do lighting. We have a wonderful partnership with William Sonoma. We're about to come out with another collection this fall for Christmas. Home objects, games, you know, really listening to what she was looking for. You know, games happens to be one of our biggest categories. And it's interesting. It really is. It's great for the family. Everyone, it's a great gift. It's a great wedding gift, graduation gift, Father's Day gift. There's something about games that the whole family can participate in or guests. So our product development is very much inspired by our consumer and what she is looking for. So I do feel that the brand is quite unique. And, you know, not many people were doing what we were doing at the time. When you think about our concept stores and even doing trunk shows, we started bringing in every weekend these wonderful young designers to do these host these trunk shows. And that was bringing in a new consumer. It was thinking outside the box. I had that SD concept in my head being creative and being entrepreneurial. And now a lot of people are copying us. You know, a lot of times now you're seeing at these stores hosting trunk shows for different designers. And that was a concept that we started many, many years ago. So I think the Aaron brand has evolved, but I think where we are right now, we're going to continue to open stores because that's a formula that works very well for us. Yeah. Talk to me about that because, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially nowadays and, you know, go back to your grandmother when when she was starting and and you only could get things at retail, right? You have a model that, you know, you're really focused on both. Some companies are D to C and that's it, or the, you know, bricks and mortar, they're 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 done with. But why is it or what is it that you see in really having both work together? It really works very well together because sometimes there's a different product assortment. 
We sometimes do exclusives for retail partners such as Harrods, Neiman's, or Nordstrom. And then at the same time, our freestanding stores, which we have four of, are really special because it's really where we can showcase the brand as a whole and bring in a different perspective. You know, my uncle has this list of wonderful quotes, act global, but think local. So one thing we do at the stores is depending on when the store, it, where the store is, we have a different assortment. So our customer goes from store to store to see maybe there's more raffia in Southampton and then in East Hampton, there's more bikinis and surf style beach fashion. So we really do a different assortment for each store and they all have a different sensibility. We have different designers do different stores. So there really are these wonderful worlds where people love to discover and explore. And when we were thinking about the brand 10 years ago, we were writing up words to describe it. That was one of my requirements from our CEO. And those words that I created 10 years ago still apply today. It's surprise, lifestyle, pretty, authentic, American, um, luxury, comfort. And, you know, when you walk into all of our boutiques, you do feel those words and that, that experience. Yeah. How much of your day nowadays, what is it? mostly spent on and what's your primary focus with Aaron? No two days are alike. I have to say, you know, when I was at Estee Lauder, my days were more traditional when I was doing advertising. It was a very different type of day than it was when I did product development or marketing. But at Aaron, since it's such a small team, we, I'm really involved with everything from the copy to photography. I was shooting on Tuesday, our spring 24 collection of home items and fashion. I could be doing an interview. I can be doing fragrance development. I could be going to our visual comfort showroom. So it really varies. So every day is different, which is very exciting. And, um, you know, I do love working with a small team. There's something very rewarding about going into a room and seeing the product you're working on and touching and feeling it. And I'm very, very hands-on. And it's, as I said, it's my name on it. It has to be perfect. I have big basket of fragrance samples on my desk and we do modifications. And every time you keep evolving the fragrance until it's perfect. So I've been known to make the perfumer absolutely insane because I keep modifying, <laughs> modifying. So I think, you know, every day is different, which I love. Yeah. In terms of you had a vision we talked about and be being one of the first to really launch this type of concept. Where do you see this type of business moving or do you have a vision for what it might look like three, five years down the road? Well, I think we'll obviously continue to develop the products, the beauty products, because that's a huge part of who we are. Right now we have 24 fragrances and about 800 doors of distribution, about 42 markets, and that's going to continue to grow and obviously go into other categories of beauty, which I'm very excited about. But at the same time, I think where the brand will be in a couple, three or four years is more freestanding stores. The formula works for us. Our consumer loves it. People are constantly asking for stores when we're doing some interesting pop-ups in new markets to test them. And I think there's something very special about our, you know, they're like a little jewel box. We have a formula that works. There are these wonderful little boutiques. We do these beautiful custom bookshelves, full cross category. You know, we don't have a beauty section and a home section. It's all merchandised together. So it really allows the customer to discover and explore. And um, I think we'll continue to evolve them enough to go internationally and into new markets. I think there's something very interesting about the Middle East, India. Obviously, the UK, the UK is a huge market for us. Aaron Beauty does very, very well there as well as home. And in a home, we sell more to showrooms. 
but there's lots of potential in international markets for us. Yeah. When you talk about luxury and think about luxury from what people may have considered luxury 10 years ago, even when you were just starting 20 years ago, to what it means today, Mm -hmm. there is there any beliefs you have just in terms of how you would define it right now? I think I think it could be defined more as quiet luxury. It's like a wonderful fabric, a great fragrance. It's something that feels really special to you. And I also think time and family is considered luxury and people that you love and care about. And I think COVID really made people realize that the most important thing is to be surrounded by people that you really cared about and you felt safe with whether it was your dog, your husband, friend, a partner. But I think the idea of like the sense of products, Mm -hmm. I think there is more of a return to this kind of understated luxury. I think there's that simple bag. You can't really tell who designed it. It just looks great. A fragrance that's kind of, you don't know exactly what it is. It just smells beautiful. I, that that to me, I define that as luxury. When you can, you know, have to yourself to do something that you want to do. I think there's all those different qualities to me are like and I'm sure a lot of our our listeners are are interested from your standpoint obviously this is audio so I'm getting to see you and get a feel of your personal style but if you were to talk about your own personal style and how you see yourself what would you tell people I think I'm quite traditional I'm very feminine I'm in a house full of boys which is a challenge for me. I think that's probably one of the reasons why my office, as you can see, has a beautiful flower wallpaper that we did with Lee Jofa. I'm quite consistent. You know, I find old pictures sometimes of me from high school and I look exactly, I mean, obviously I've aged, but my hair is the same. My sensibility is the same. I always was wearing jeans and a blazer all through college. So I'm actually quite consistent. I don't know if you consider that a positive or a negative, but I've always loved fashion. I've always loved beauty. So those, I think I've remained fairly the same. No, I was just, you lost me when you were saying how you're in a home full of boys because I'm in a home full of women, uh, teenage girls and a wife. And fortunately we have a dog that's a boy. So but I'm thinking of like, you're... I have a dog who's a girl and she loves me, I think the most. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he, my guy, he, we're buddies, but Uh I'm just thinking of like, I have my little office area where all my guy stuff and sports memorabilia is and it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting but but you do learn if you were to go back and and obviously you were fortunate enough to have some great influences and strong female presence even though you were very young uh, as an entrepreneur and your in, in your grandmother but if you were to go back let's say 20 or so years or or starting out what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know today back then? Well, I think still work hard and be passionate and love what you do. And I had many mentors, not many, but a few wonderful female mentors, obviously Esty being my first. My mother in many ways taught me all about the balance of family, home and work, and as well as Esty. And then when I went to Esty Lauder, I worked with two women who were extraordinary. One was Dominique Zabo, who was head of product development for SD Lauder. She was fantastic. I traveled with her to all of our labs and we'd go to Long Island. I would go to Intercost. And Jane Hertzmark Huddis, who was my first boss ever. 
And I was in college and she was an incredible, incredible mentor. And she taught me so much about passion and work and attention to detail. And she's, her career has been extraordinary. And I think if I thought back about many, many years ago, I think the same philosophy would still apply to what I think every day is love what you do, work hard, be authentic and be true to who you are. You know, I've never been super, super trendy. You know, I, when I was doing product development at Estee Lauder, that was when vamp became like a hot color, the Chanel dark, dark nail polish. And I remember I loved it and I thought it was an incredible creative trend, but I didn't wear it. So I think it's really important to always stay true to who you are and whether that's in a personal style or in your approach to business. So it's something that I think is very important. You know, that's interesting because you have your own personal style. You've stayed true to it, which is great. But when you're building a business, you're really catering to your customers. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're able to kind of put to the side some of the things that you might really love and enjoy, but also understand that there's other things that are really going to do it for other people. You need to. It's very important. I mean, that's a great point. Maybe the way I, certain things that I live with and my sensibility doesn't necessarily apply to a freestanding errand store all the time. But that's very important to understand what the trends are. And that's why I feel it's very, you have to be exposed and listen and learn and really understand what the consumer is asking for. Because the most important thing is to make your consumer happy. And it still has to stay true to your brand and who you are and your point of view. But at the same time, it's very important to answer their needs and requests. Yeah. Before I let you go, any any advice you would give to someone who, you know, we have a lot of listeners that they stick in corporate America and there's a fear of going out or whether it's the fear of reputation or just the ability to make things work with your own business. Is there any any advice or any anything you would say to some of those people who are like kind of on the diving board, but but haven't taken the leap? I think it's important to try. If you have any inkling of taking that leap, you have to do it. My son just graduated and he was minoring in engineering and he saw this quote that I think is so interesting about life starts when your comfort level stops. And I think Obviously, it's challenging, it's scary, it's exciting, but I do think life is kind of constantly evolving. And if you have any interest and any passion to take a chance and make a change, I think you have to follow your heart. And I think people will support you and help you. And it's okay to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. I've made mistakes. Many mistakes happen. That's the only way you live and learn. So it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to follow your dreams. And it is challenging and it is hard, but at the same time, it's very, very fulfilling. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story and background. And we wish you or I wish you continued success with your brand. I know my wife tends to visit a lot of your locations. uh, (laughs) uh, Yes, but in any case, appreciate your time. And again, thanks for coming on How Success Happens. Okay, thank you very much for asking me. Bye-bye. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost 
and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman, that's R-O-B-E-R-T, T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.